0: Hello, and welcome back to Reeling in the Piers. My name is Gary O'Brien, and this is where I get some of my very good friends on to chat and discuss all kinds of movies. Joining me today for our first ever three person podcast is David Scanlon and Lily Nolan, and they're here to talk about the newly released Wonder Woman 1984. So stick around, we hope you enjoy. Miss Nolan, Mr. Scanlon,
1: how are we?
2: I'm good, thanks Gary. You know, I'm happy to be here as the token female to talk about our movies.
1: Yeah, what's well, the sorry Gary? Uh good to be here. Uh glad we're back in uh cinemas again after lockdown number two. I have a bit of a fever now for the cinema. Getting get in the move for it.
2: I'm sorry, I thought you were about to say you had a bit of a fever and I was like, Oh, we're not going to the cinema with you anymore, <laughs> David.
1: I'm also very
0: glad really that um, you know, you sent us three thousand letters in the form of, you know, Harry Potter one, like with all the like letters from Hogwarts that you were like you cannot do this podcast without me you cannot
2: (laughs) I'm responsible for the um problems that on post the double postal system are having because I just had to send you so many letters so that you would have me back actually it was my fans let's let's be real it was my fans sending you so many letters to have me on for this podcast
0: and and yeah just to pull up what David would say there about being back in cinemas I I was thinking about you know us going to this movie and um it just had me thinking of this quote that sticks in my head quite a lot and uh, if you don't mind i'm just gonna i'm just gonna read it here it's from uh, the immortal paul rudd and youtube presenter sean evans and it goes like this look at us hey look at us look at us who would have thought eh not me and I just, those words just stuck with me and i was like oh look at us <laughs> so we're talking about a movie that came out recently talking about it, there's three of us on this. We're like we're like three peers on a pot, am I right? <laughs>
1: it's a Christmas miracle.
2: <laughs> really in the peers the Christmas special, we actually got to go see a movie in a cinema.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So we're 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 talking about Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four. And for those who might be a bit confused no it is not the 1984th wonder woman movie it's just Wonder woman set in the year 1984 and i we didn't discuss this before but who wants to who wants to explain what it would spoil oh yes i suppose i should explain the the structure of how we're going to do this podcast so we're going to do like a spoiler free kind of plot summary real quick then we're just going to give our general thoughts we'll kind of run down the characters and then we'll just kind of say like should you watch it should you not and then after that point we're going to talk spoilers so if you haven't seen the movie before no worries we're not going to give any spoilers for the first few minutes and then after that we will so who wants to explain what this movie is without giving away all of the juicy details Lili Nolan hand us up you go
2: (laughs) yeah I raised my hand I waited my turn to speak I'm so good at podcasting um yeah so this movie it's set as you said in 1984 which if my historical facts are correct um is the year before the cold war technically starts the so Wonder Woman is. It's many years since our last movie was set. Diana's living in Washington D.C. and, and um, she's just living her life, working in the Smithsonian, um, being a being a scientist and a historian. It seems I think an anthropologist, I believe, was her job, but it was very big. Um, she's making she's she's not got a lot of friends. She's missing her friends from the past a little bit, feeling a little bit lonely. He makes friends with a new colleague, introducing our second character. Kristen wig and they get some interesting artifacts into the museum that pique the interest of one pedro pascal sans helmet and and hijinks ensues drama hijinks uh high stakes very high stakes and adventure
0: yeah uh, that's that's, yeah i guess that's the best
2: way the best way to describe it
0: without giving anything away so yeah
2: trying so hard not to give anything away i was like can i even name the characters is that too much
0: glad you mentioned it I'll give a bit because one thing I've noticed from this is I'm very bad at character names and speaking to them because usually I uh, change between them so just in case to kind of cover my ass for this podcast I thought I would run through who the characters are so you got Galgado as Diana Prince or Wonder Woman and she is a is an immortal demigoddess an Amazon princess and warrior and she's the daughter of Hippolyta the Amazonian queen of Themyscira and Zeus the king of the Olympic gods Then you've got my arch nemesis, Chris Pine as Steve Trevor, an American pilot and spy from World War One and the love interest of Diana, who had died during the events of the first film. Then you've got Kristen Wiig as Dr. Barbara Maneer or Cheetah, an archaeologist who befriends Diana before becoming imbued with a mystical abilities that gradually transform her into something else. And then you've got pedro pascal and so he plays a charismatic businessman and founder of black gold cooperative and who's famous for these sort of tv infomercials and uh, director patty jenkins kind of describes him as like a mix between lex Luthor when he's portrayed by gene hackman and then also like gordon gecko from wall street as well and that's probably all i'll say about those characters yeah
2: he's a he's a kind of a businessman with a get rich quick scheme and He's full of charisma and laughs and smiles.
1: I was getting Donald Trump vibes.
2: Yes, I was getting Donald Trump pre-presidency <laughs> back yeah. when he was in Home Alone 2 kind of vibes.
0: So, okay. So I guess Mr. Scanlon is here as well. So I'll, I'll turn to you. What are your what are your first impressions on your general thoughts on the movie?
1: Yeah, so um, I suppose just to give a quick kind of overview, like really enjoyable action adventure film. And um, I suppose if I was to describe this movie using two previous films it would be superman 2 and indiana jones next like all the actors played the roles really well as as you mentioned there the the four kind of main roles Um, gal galat looks really comfortable in that leading role now Um, i think you know before wonder woman she was almost just a kind of side character she was you know in the fast and furious stuff and she was never really center for attention. whereas i think in these two and even in justice league she kind of holds her own now um, and she, again, like I said, just really looks comfortable in that role. Um, Chris Pine, again, I know how much you hate him, Gary, but he's actually a really good actor in my opinion. Um, no, he, I think he plays the role really well. And he, um, he, 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 his character has to be surprised and intrigued throughout the movie. Um, and it's very easy for a character and an actor to look stupid doing that throughout a movie, but he does it really well um and he, he kind of comes across as like when stuff comes to him and it's something he recognizes he kind of you know comes to him quite quickly whereas it's stuff that he's not used to you know obviously he's kind of intrigued by it and um, then like I said Pedro Pascal Donald Trump vibes um you know again like I said he, he's a really good actor when you consider you know the roles he's done this year with um, one hand Mandalorian and stuff and then obviously onto this and then Chris uh, Kristen Wig. Played really, really kind of sympathetic villain, in my opinion. And um, like when you see it at the start, you really feel sorry for her. And then throughout the movie, like she does um become more and more evil, but you can understand where she's coming from. Um and then unfortunately, I'll just end on a bit of a downer. I just noticed a few kind of wonky CGI bits. But again, I think that is something that's systematic within superhero movies and big blockbusters. Um for me personally, I prefer when you mix, when you add um, CGI to en- enhance uh, practical effects, uh, rather than just simply CGI. Um, and uh that's probably just something that's systematic within Hollywood rather than this movie alone. But it's something I just have to mention. Yeah. It. But overall, really good, really good film, action adventure. If you're into that kind of stuff, of like globe trotting and and chasing McGuffins and stuff like that, you know you'll enjoy this. And again, if you've seen the first one, you of course you enjoy this. Uh, and and Lily
2: um my summary of this movie i really enjoyed it i liked the last movie as well and i like these kind of movies so like david said that kind of plays into it um i liked the, the setting was great i'm really they went with the 80s if you if you if anyone remembers the last film, it's set in world war one I, I think so it's very gray they're wearing it's set on battlefields and she stands out as a color whereas in this movie it's it's set in the 80s it's really colorful everything's like bright colorful a little bit over the top and then that's kind of what that 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 describes the movie as well like it's a sort of a female-led superhero movie I don't want to say it's not campy it doesn't go that far the other side but it's like it's very much uh bright kind of feel good action adventure um she looked fantastic in in it the costumes really were incredible sorry when I say she I mean Gal Gadot but actually everyone as well but in particular her and there were some really nice throwbacks to the original Wonder Woman series as well, which was great. Yeah, like David said, I really liked. I think Chris Pine did a great job. He was <laughs> comedic. <laughs> Sorry, Gary, I know it's a bit t- taboo on the podcast. Chris Pine did a good job. He was comedic, and he Chris Pine did a great job in the comedic bits, but also he was just a really good character. um You know, fish out of water without being stupid, like David said. And yeah, um I mean, I obviously I have a few, I have a few bits, so I don't want to get into them just yet. I'm not don't want to give too many spoilers there were some bits where you're like okay I know they, they pulled a lot of stuff from the comics into it it's kind of like they were trying to set up a little bit of the Wonder Woman world there's some elements with that as you saw in the trailer with the plane and stuff like that and then there's just one or two things that happen where I'm like oh oh you're, you're pushing a little bit far into the like well isn't that convenient side of a movie as opposed to kind of letting events play out a little bit more realistically but I really enjoyed it and I would absolutely recommend anyone go see it yeah although one thing I will say is I I can't tell if my opinions of this movie are like rose-coloured glasses tinted because I haven't been to the cinema and I haven't seen a new movie like this in a long time. A lot of indie movies kept getting released on like Netflix and stuff, so we were watching new movies that way, but a blockbuster hasn't been out yet this year, not obviously since coronavirus, so it's just like the whole experience of it was just so novel that obviously I liked the film.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I kind of echo your thoughts on it as well, both your thoughts, that I also liked it. I thought the acting was incredible. I think um, a bit of what David was saying about Gal Gadot on the role now is I consider her on the level of Robert Downey Jr.'s Iron Man or Chris Evans' Captain America in that like she's lucky that she's the first kind of on like uh, blockbuster person to portray the role but I honestly couldn't imagine anyone else doing it I I think she just she is that character and also when it comes to the arc of that character just in terms of DCU I think and I don't know maybe because I've just watched it but I think it's more compelling and stronger than anything we've seen from superman or batman or aquaman just like from only two Mm -hmm. movies and i think although it might not be on the level in my opinion of the dark knight it's very much the dark knight of the wonder woman series i think in that it it elevates the character it doesn't have to try and set it all up it's just you're allowed play with it
2: it's it's the iron man it's the iron man too of wonder woman you've got the character not not in not in the goodness of movies but it's (laughs) fine never mind cut that i'm just saying it's the second it's like the second of any movie which means you don't have to set up a character you're able to just explore them yeah so it always elevates them a little bit
0: yeah and i think but i think that could be like a a bit of a, a pitfall sometimes when you look at i don't know um the likes of your thor ragnarok or like they like you know sometimes like when you hear that a movie's having a sequel you sometimes think they try and you
2: know do you mean thor the dark world
0: Sorry, meant to say third Dark World. And I don't know, like other things like that where they try and hype it up, but then it ends up not kind of losing the, the magic of it. But I don't think this did. And I think the villains are particularly compelling. I think Pedro Pascal is great. Uh, I thought Christian Wig was pretty good. I will say without too much spoilers that about a halfway through it, I kind of didn't really enjoy the character too much. I thought it came across as a very cartoony kind of antagonist, but I, I kind of have thoughts on that I'll get into later on. I thought bringing Chris, I I thought bringing him back without knowing how they did it or why he's back, because like I mentioned up top, he does die in the first one. When they were bringing him back, I just I thought it was very much like, oh, we need to get I don't know Chris Pine into this movie just to kind of elevate, like to be like to be like for like the male viewers to be like, hey, you know, we still got guys in this movie. And but I think the way they bring him back and the impact on bringing him back and how that comes back into the plot I think is very well done and I think that really worked for me as well I think the score is phenomenal and I don't know again like what Lily said about maybe I haven't been in a cinema for a while but it was loud it was powerful I really enjoyed it it was by the wonderful wonderful man that is Hans Zimmer Uh I also thought the action was lacking and whatever action we did the CGI was a bit janky yeah but I think the pure like the emotion in this movie nearly makes up for what it misses out for in the action and what i will say as well it's a it's tonally quite different to the first one it's very much a, a, a i wouldn't call it a 180 but it's it's very much like i don't know it's different but i didn't mind it but it's a good movie i and that would.
2: Be- but you know just on oh, sorry gary i don't mean to interrupt you but it was just it's like everything it's not just that they changed the plot they kind of changed enough stuff about it that it didn't feel like they were just like yeah we've just written a completely different story they're like we've given you a new time and a new setting and a new version of the character. So everything kind of makes sense that your direction is different.
1: I think a lot of, sorry, a lot of um, kudos has to be given to Patty Jenkins as well. Like direction was really, really, really good. As you were saying, Lily, the, the color palette in this movie is really nice. Like it really kind of sets the tone of, of the era and story wise. Like I was going through it in my head and I don't think there's any point in this, any kind of scenes in this movie that are what you would say kind of, uh, unnecessary like uh, there's been plenty of DCEU movies where there's been stuff and it's it's kind of like these mystery boxes and stuff and they're kind of building up for different movies whereas this almost felt like everything there needed to be there and was necessary for the, the entire plot and I don't think there was any kind of extra fat in this movie that you know wasn't really necessary which again I, I just have to give kudos to, to Patty Jenkins written, written and directing this movie like really really well.
0: And when you consider it's a two and a half hour movie yeah. as well, like, you, like I didn't, it's two and a half hours and I did not feel the time go by at all. I felt it moved quite quickly. It it honestly surprised me. I didn't think I would be able to sit through it all and like not notice the time go by. But this, again, maybe it's because you haven't been to a movie in a while, but I thought it was, it did that very, very well. Like there's no scenes where you're just like, why is this happening?
2: There were bits that were, and I was confused, but only because I was like, I don't, I suppose it makes sense, you know, as Pedro Pascal's going through his ultimate plot, and I'm just, I'm getting confused, but that's because I don't understand his, there's like little elements, not to give too much away, but of the like kind of the magic that they're all using, I guess, that I, it took me a while to grasp. I think they could have maybe been a little bit more upfront with that. Yeah. But by the end of the movie, I had, so then I kind of didn't really care.
0: Yeah. Okay. I think, I think we, 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 we begin to transition over to the spoiler, uh, section. Mm-hmm. So, um we we'll, we we'll, we'll sign off on the spoiler free section with the David Scanlon measurements of movies which is should you watch it and should you not and uh, as it is his uh, rating system I'll, I'll throw it over to David first.
1: Okay, so I, I think the important question here is um have you seen the first one? Have you seen the other DC movies? Uh, have you seen other superhero movies? If um if the the answer to all those questions are yes and if you enjoy those movies then of course you're going to enjoy this. Um even if you having if you're not like an avid superhero movie fan i still think like this is a good one to kind of introduce yourself i I would reckon that watching the first one is is kind of necessary because there's characters that come from those and it is a kind of understanding that you know who certain characters are and but no absolutely i definitely recommend you know people go and watch this again with the caveat that they have seen (laughs) previous movies and they understand who these characters are and sorry the, the other thing is just that the fact that this lays in between uh, the first Wonder Woman movie, and then obviously Batman versus Superman and Justice League and stuff. That they're not obviously necessary, which is good. And um, so really, you know, you're going into this as as a pure sequel rather than any kind of you know season five episode nine, which you know you would get in maybe a, like a Doctor Strange or an Avengers movie or something like that, where you're you're trying to catch up with every almost every character in the universe. So this is kind of again like like I said, a little bit more kind of streamlined. You're only getting you know m- mainly four characters and that's it and it's it's a very simple well not a simple plot but simpler than most superhero movies so uh yeah absolutely if if i was to give it in one word i would say go see it that's more than one word but yeah,
2: yeah. i know <laughs> go <laughs> one word actually, yeah. people
1: they need your money <laughs> uh
2: yeah i would also on on this um polarizing David Scan get david's scan on scale i would also say go see it i think go see it like david said if you like those kind of movies. But also just generally it, it, it doesn't um I you know, maybe it's because it's female led. I think it might also just generally be the character of Wonder Woman and the way she's always been written. It doesn't sort of lend into that like um very like high testosterone side of superhero movies. Uh I would say it would almost appeal like quite widely to families and stuff like that as well. I don't think it was it was like rated twelves or something. I can't remember. Well it's not like, you know, uh, something horribly or x-rated it's also it works as a good family film and i mean i just go to your local cinema the cinema we went to omniplex and Wrath minds while there are other cinemas out there lots of the cinemas have really put in the effort to make it good to go during like during coronavirus and with their their following the restrictions really well it was just really enjoyable to do something normal so i tell everyone to go even if you don't like movies like this based on that
0: (laughs) yeah and and i'd be the same i'd like i would suggest go see it obviously only if you feel safe to do so but I we can only speak for the one cinema we went to and I like they do a very good job of like social distancing and sanitizing and stuff like that but um yeah I think definitely go see it like David said it, you don't have even like I looked this up this is the ninth DCEU movie and I yeah I, I couldn't believe it. I was like it's been nine but I don't think you even you probably could have seen even if you didn't see the first one it's very much like you get the you get the rough gist of it it's obviously not the same yeah. but I think you could st- stick this on and watch it and enjoy it so I guess this is the point uh, where I get to see the fun listener drop off and tell people that if they don't want to hear any spoilers, leave now or forever hold your peace. And we're going to talk spoilers. And for that, I'm going to ask Mr. Scanner to try to do his best in telling us what happens in this movie with no spoil, with a load of spoilers.
1: Ah, uh, here we go again. Um, OK, so um, main plot of this movie is there's a rock. It's a wishing rock. But not a wishing rock, as in like a nice wishing rock. This is a mean wishing, wishing rock, and um, so it's found um, in a bank in a robbery, and then is sent to the Smithsonian to be um, studied. And through um, Barbara, I don't know how to say her second name, but Barbara, um, it is put is then uh, given to Pedro Pascal's character, so Maxwell Lord. And then he uses it to um, imbue in himself the abilities to grant wishes. Um, And as we find out going through the film, um, not only does it grant wishes, but it also takes power away from the person who grants the wish. Um, And so from that, um, he gains power, gains notoriety, um, gains wealth, um suddenly finds himself within the white house and um on broadcast to the rest of the world where he is gaining power from everyone's wishes and it is up to diana prince wonder woman and um, and steve trevor chris point to save the day and stop what is looking like to be an apocalyptic event but caused by these uh, wishes and these uh and pedro pascal's character um maxwell lord um granting wishes and taking power away from the population of the entire earth so if, is that what is that a good yeah like that's, that's, that's what i haven't really mentioned your own barbara but like she's kind of just almost a side character in this she's kind of-
0: yeah so what i think we might do is i might run through the character we'll run through the characters mm-hmm. again and we can kind of talk about yeah. that so um okay so i guess we'll start we'll, we'll start with i think we'll start with steve trevor chris pine, so what happens is she wishes that um chris pine is back and that wish is granted but it obviously comes with the cost of that she begins to lose her powers and what it's weird how he comes back is that he is then in the body of another dude who just to his friends and family goes missing for a couple of days and that's never discussed and brought up it is oh Lily, really? it is
2: So do you remember, it it kind of is, I don't understand if this magic wishing walk is so magic, why can't Steve just come back? I wouldn't have needed that much more of an explanation, but he does have to be in that man's body. But you know, when they're in the apartment, they make this like bit where they're talking about how all his pictures are of himself. So he obviously doesn't have close family and friends. Very minor reference. I feel like something, I I feel like something got cut. Does that make sense? Like, I feel like something about that man got cut at the start when they decided they wouldn't introduce
0: him yeah I, yeah i don't know but like i and i think okay yeah so that's how he comes back and what i enjoyed about this version was that steve trevor is now the fish out of water whereas in the first one it's very much diana's like what's this and what's that and 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 you were mentioning it earlier about david about how it's very much that she it's not it's not like done too kind of goofy and i think that's kind of it was really interesting because i i you it's shown a bit in the trailer where he's like what's this and it's a bin and I thought it was going to be like 50 minutes of him just being like oh what's all this technology but what I really enjoyed was the element was it was more from wonder and awe rather than from like confusion and it was just him being like like it is a silly scene where he's on an escalator and he's like what's this but when you consider that like he's just looking at it from a technological like achievement for society and it's all this really interesting things where he's just kind of going around, he's looking at planes, looking at spaceships and he's just, he's just, he can't believe what the world has become. And I think that's where this movie's emotion comes into play, where he gave up all of that for Diana to be able to save the world. I just thought that was just such a, a, such a powerful moment that like the movie plays into, like he's finally enjoying seeing what the world is like and what somewhat his victories from his past life were able to achieve. And then he gave it all up, which is.
2: Yeah. I think what helps with that is that he, he has an understanding that he's in the world it's just the future it's not the like traditional fish out of water where like a medieval man lands in the present and he just can't grasp it Steve was a pilot he had good technical knowledge of things and Dan like yeah it's been x many years and he's like cool so things are going to be different and then he just gets to be excited about how things are different
1: well that's it like I mean tr- like as he's going throughout say like DC he's he'd obviously being amazed by things but I think what what changes is when he gets into the plane, that's when he, he's in, you know, his actual, you know, environment and everything starts to kick into gear. And, you know, this is this is what he's used to. And I think that's where the balance comes. Like it, everyday life is is strange to him. But then once he gets into the plane, he just gets into pilot mode and, you know, everything seems normal again. He knows exactly what to do. So again I just, again I, I said it at the start it, it it is a good balance and it's very simple it's very easy to go really goofy and go like oh this is everything's crazy what the hell whatever but you know he, he seemed to play it play it off really well
0: yeah and I, and I guess I I kind of if I, I did have one critique not critique but one like I don't know like I think I maybe would have liked to seen some of it played for laughs a bit more because she's going around with a dude that like she thinks looks like Steve Trevor but isn't Steve Trevor and I just wanted someone to be like Rick Rick who Rick, who, who's this? And then for him to have to try and be like, um, like that I would have I don't know, maybe I, I'm asking a bit too much of this two-hour and thirty-minute movie. And um, and then there is Barbara Minerva as cheetah, and I really liked her at the start. I thought she was really good. She did a great kind of like awkward performance, and then you kind of really understood the character. And then it was the scene where you know where she goes to the yeah uh the kind of what's it the gurus um the man, that yeah. that to me i i just lost the character completely and i understand it's kind of very much like she was given this wish and what was taken away from her was her like warmth and compassion and stuff but i under like i got all that but i just i just it was too cartoony it was so like I dunno, I just imagined like um like I don't know, it's kinda like um it was nearly like William Dafoe in Spider-Man One where it was just like he's crazy because he is, in the sense that she was becoming evil because we needed an evil character in this.
2: Yeah. Something there should have been like more of just full context for our listeners, so as David said, there's the wishing stone and when you make a wish it takes something from you. Like it's it's essentially the monkey's paw, if anyone knows that story. And while I take great issue with that, because The Monkey's paw is a story from the 1920s, and this is a movie based on the Greek gods, but um, we'll just, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, so from her, it takes her humanity. And I think it should have been like, I, I, it was gradual until, as you said, Gary, you got to that point, they could have played off more about how Diana was like, okay, we're going to actually have to do something about it. And then at that point, she's like, well, no, hang on, you can't take this from me. We have to find another way. And that's why she starts like, Allying herself a little bit more with um Pedro Pascal's character, what's his name again? Maxwell Lord. Maxwell, Lord. Maxwell Lord. That's oh, it. That's why she starts. She should have instead of it just being a switch where she's like, "Nope, you're going to take this from me. I'm going to be his like bodyguard." Essentially, it should have been a like a, more of a play off that way because they were doing so well until that point.
1: Yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen a, a scene where, say, the two of them go after Maxwell Lord, and there's almost a scene where. Um, you know, Wonder Woman has Maxwell Lord, like maybe up against the wall or something. You know, she's about to, you know, kill him or something. And it's almost like that scene where you know something s- switches in her head and she she notices that, like, oh, this guy, this is the Rock. Like, if if he goes, then everything I've earned goes as well. And um, and it's almost a case of like it was like very very quick and where it should have been more gradual. Like you said, I do find though that like at the start she is a very sympathetic character, like the first scene you, you meet her in and, and all her sheets drop out, like everyone is such a douche to her. Like, I mean, <laughs> the man with the popped collar, he really just stood out to me. I was like, that guy is an absolute asshole no matter what. Like, <laughs> um, but like, and then, and then obviously the boss doesn't even remember her name. Like it's something like that. Like obviously, you know, Diana kind of, you know, is attracted to her because, you know, she's a worn character. And, um, and, you know, Diana seems quite lonely in that world, but, You know, human beings aren't actually like that in real life. I I find like, you know, no one is an outcast entirely, especially when you're in a job like that. Someone's going to, you know, you know, help you out or something like that. So I found that was a bit strange, but like, I I do feel like they, they earned a bit in that, in that beginning when they, um you know, made her out to be a sympathetic character. You know, there's nothing about her that, you know, shouts out, you know, crazy or shouts out, you know, weird or whatever she's just kind of awkward and that's all it is. And I can understand that when she gains the abilities or whatever, she gains confidence and stuff. I'm sure it is very difficult to give that up. Like when it is such a quick transition, but I would have liked to have seen it just more gradually. Like you said, maybe a scene or two where she's kind of conflicted and, um,
2: What it is, is is that Diana's literally like, yeah, Barbara, you're right. Because Diana would have to give up Steve if they get rid of him. So she's like, yes, I completely agree with you. We're not going to kill him. She's like, I won't let you kill him. You're like, no, you guys are still on the same side. You should be fighting, yeah. And then it should be later on after Diana's like, right, that's it. I'm going to have to give up Steve because the whole world's in danger. It would make more sense if Barbara turned on her then.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's that's just what I'm talking about, is that gradual change rather than just like straightaway conflict. It should have been just... couple more scenes that's all but again like it's two two and a half hours like where they're going to fit that in you know to fit into the runtime is very very difficult
0: and that's and that's what i was thinking about in that i feel like if she was in a previous movie Mm -hmm. and we just saw that character it, the 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 turn would be so much more emotional because you'd be like why is bar like you'd really feel it you'd be like what are you doing like we know you is this so I feel uh, and you could have just got straight to it but I understand it's it's not something we don't really know when there's going to be another wonder one movie and also when it's going to be set so it's kind of hard to kind of hold off on that character because I think it, a lot of it made sense in my opinion it was like I understood why she'd wish for it I understand the turn I just didn't it didn't come through as kind of um as effectively as maybe it could have and I think as much as I I think she probably could have been cut from it. I honestly think you could have, you could have removed that arc from it. It probably would have been a bit bare and there wouldn't be too much of a kind of, I don't know how you could do it, but I feel like if if push comes to shove and you needed to like cut something from it, you probably could cut that. Um, but I think, and I'll, I'll maybe talk about this at the end, where it's like, I thought it was really interesting. There was no big physical fight, uh, as it were, as, at the end of the movie. There's no big brawl. Like there was, it's funny because like Wonder Woman, the first one it was all kind of like um kind of action scenes and then a big fight that felt unnecessary whereas at this it was very much like the action fight is there but the fight at the end is really one of words and it's it's quite weird when that like that's how the movie ends it's very much like a verbal fight instead of a physical fight and the physical fight feels a bit unnecessary as well but they were like oh no we need to i don't know sell action figures and have a fight in this so that's why maybe it was like why is she in it so much and then there's the whole scene where she turns into a cheetah which is not really explained i understand it i understand it in the sense that she makes a wish to be like this like she becomes powerful and i was like oh this is grand i was kind of wondering where the whole cheetah thing would come from and then she wishes to be like i don't know
1: yeah she says apex predator
2: i think
0: that's only is that in the movie
1: or just in the trailer
0: but i
2: isn't the fact so you only get one wish sorry that's something we should talk about everyone is only allowed one wish and then pedro pascal because he's wished to be the stone he gets to dole out the consequences yeah. that's why he wishes to become the stone but his consequences from that initial wish is that it's draining his life force he's like doesn't matter sure tomorrow when i grant gary's wish the repercussions will just be that i'm fine so instead of making the repercussions something for Gary, he's using the repercussions as something to his advantage. And what he did at one point is he says, well, as everyone's making wishes in the sort of climax and he's listening to all everyone around the world and their wishes, and he's got so much consequences to Joel. At one point, he's like, Her rage, give her, I'm gonna give her your rage, I'm gonna give her your whatever. And I think that's when she becomes the cheetah. It's one of those things that he does there. But it okay. wasn't very well explained, you're right. It was kind of like that's like me finding an explanation backwards as opposed to actually understanding it in the movie going forwards. And I didn't,
0: I didn't, I don't know. I don't know how, I, to be honest, I don't know much about the character and why she's a cheetah in, in the comic books, but I didn't mind. I like, I was like, no, it's fine. I didn't think she looked yeah, she it was, great. But
1: it but, was dark.
0: But it was very dark. And I, like, I didn't enjoy it. And the fight scene itself, what I don't think was very, I think, yeah, we'll talk a bit about the action as well. I don't think the action was particularly well choreographed in the end. It was all very close combat and it was very hard to understand. Yeah. But there was one scene that was pretty good where her wings are kind of closed over and she just yeah. like mauling at it and the plates are flying off the wing and I was like oh wow this is scary I, I did enjoy this but I don't know it just didn't feel real and obviously they didn't have the real Kristen Wig doing all that stuff to, which made me think maybe they should have got someone who could be a bit more physical on set and then the only I don't know I was thinking like someone like Charlize Theron would be kind of interesting but then again I feel like she is a phenomenal actress and like Perform, like I wouldn't call her stunt performer, I don't know she's very good at like, doing her own action scenes yeah. I think maybe there could be something down the line for her that's better than manure.
2: So just one thing to point out from the comics, sorry, is that um, the villain of Cheetah, and this often happens in comics but it's just particularly apparent with the villain of Cheetah, it's actually like depending on the comic series of Wonder Woman, the origin story is, is different. It's always the same like, you know woman not as main desirable character wants to be more desirable the like uh hubris is jealousy but the um there have been loads of different characters that play her so it's like they kind of just picked what it went for but there was they had lots of options they weren't limited there's been a man who's played cheetah before like they had loads of options they could have picked that might have and and barbara the barbara version from the comics is the like just because i got the wikipedia to make sure i'm not incorrect is like she was like very wealthy and like selfish so almost actually not entirely this character in the movie at all that's the comic book version of her but the and then the like other ones are the ones that are more like I know they've always been they've always been wealthy but there's all something so like one's like really remorseful and really like trying to cast away from her parents and stuff but yeah I don't know they kind of made up a character and you could see that it didn't have the kind of origin that a comic book villain normally would have because they wrote it themselves
0: Okay. And speaking of villains then, Mr. Scanlon, what are your thoughts on Pedro Pascal's Maxwell Lord?
1: Yeah, like I said, Donald Trump vibes. Um, So yeah, he, he, you know, at the the start, he's just this kind of slimy businessman, TV ads and stuff like that. And um, as we find out going through the movie, he literally, he's got no liquid. He's, he's absolutely broke. Can
0: I just cut into very quickly, just to say, introduction scene in the smithsonian was on i yeah. love he he sold me from that moment where he did yeah. a bit where he has this like tv catchphrase and it's like hey, yeah. who are you and he goes i'll do the catchphrase and it's just so like he's
2: so likable it's, so it's so it's like
0: oh i just like i'm sold i i think yeah. he's got like and only because i watched the mandalorian episode the season finale that day to see the range this man had. Oh, yeah. anyway, sorry, David. Go away.
1: No, no, yeah, he does kind of come across as very charismatic, um, well able to hold himself in in a you know in a crowd or whatever. Um, and as we find out, he's, he's obviously broke. Like this company that he keeps advertising, you know, has absolutely nothing to it. Um, so it's kind of like an oil drilling company that people can invest in, but they they literally have bought land with no oil. But as we find out, he has been searching for this wishing stone he's you know researched all about it and and you can see that his plan has always been to get the stone and to wish that he could be the stone so that he could grant the wishes so you know he's obviously you know very smart in that sense that he's building a scheme or building a, a you know tactics to to get the stone and um, when it becomes available and um, you know very he kind of you know slimes his way in with barbara when, when he knows she has it and that he can get hold of it and stuff and uses you know um maybe her vulnerabilities to get at the stone and stuff and then I, I i feel like that's kind of mirrored in the end of the movie when she protects him you know she he, he uses her vulnerabilities to you know use her to to protect him then um but yeah like really really charismatic at the start and then you can see like you know he, he is again like i said kind of sympathetic with the whole kid and and you know, when he does get to that point where he's, he's granting all these wishes and stuff, He you know, he's kind of going a little bit mad. But then, it, you know, the switch kind of, or Wonder Woman gets a hold of him, kind of, you know, flicks that switch in his head that, you know, there's more to life than, you know, riches or wealth or fame or everything. When you have this kid that's literally looking for his dad and all he wants to do is just spend time with his dad. And at the end, I, I feel like it's a really nice scene with him and his son. Um, I think the son is, is kind of, almost played along as a as a, a, a prop throughout the movie until that scene. And then when they do come together at the end, it is actually quite nice that, you know, this guy who's been searching for this wealth and fame throughout the movie find, finally figures out that, no, this is actually the important thing in my life and this is what I've been searching for or whatever. Um, so, yeah, like you said, Gary, really, really good range. Um, goes like full supervillain at, at points and, you know, when he, he goes to Egypt and, you know, takes that whole man's crew or whatever and, and you know, grants the wish with the wall, especially the wall, actually. That was, wow. you know, straight out of the Donald yeah, Trump. Uh, that was definitely, you know, obviously something that, obviously one of the writers said, yeah, we have to get that in there. So like, you can see he's conniving, you know, he, he, he gladly, you know, gives up, you know, people that were close to him just to get his way. But like I said, just at the end, it kind of switches. I'm sure that man couldn't have got away with all that, all the things he've, he's done, you know, I'm sure he has to go to jail for something. I don't know if you can go to jail yeah. for, you know, mystical apparitions or whatever, but.
0: And yeah, that was one of the things I was thinking of, like, how is the world fine after this? Like everyone mm-hmm. renounced their wishes, but like, there was definitely a few people that probably would have like, you know, had you know uh, unforgivable consequences from there imagine if one of your wishes was like oh god i wish i was married to my neighbor's wife and then it's just like imagine like weird things like that but also it was very much like you know what am would my wish would have been when he was on the tv i wish this lad would shut the fuck up <laughs> wish number one it's granted he shuts up i'm the savior of the universe.
1: It it kind of gave me that vibes out of Kingsman. If anyone's seen Kingsman, there's a bit in it where everyone is like killing each other. And then at the end, you know, obviously everything's fine. But like, you could have killed about eight people and, you know, everything's fine again. But like, you've still killed eight people. And it's not like you just forget about that. Like, it's actually has to happen.
2: Key point though, Pedro Pascal's deciding what wishes are being granted as he
1: does.
2: But the one thing though that I will say is that like, no one dies in this movie. The, I know the the one lady drops dead based on a wish, but like as you said, our 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 supervillain doesn't face an actual consequence. Steve Trevor yeah. disappears. Cheetah doesn't die when she's fucking electrocuted in Chris, but she doesn't die when she's electrocuted in the ocean. We see her sitting there perfectly fine as as Chris as Kristen Wig again at the end. The stakes felt confusing uh, compared to the last one, where it was like war. The stakes were very high. Um, people were even when our main characters weren't dying on screen in Wonder Woman One, we knew that there was a lot of death going on in the areas that we were facing. But like it was like chaos, but like no one was dying. Or yeah. uh, and then and then when when he revoked his wish, that's what they had to do. Spoilers in our spoiler part. Pedro Pascal had to revoke his wish, and that would mean that no one's wishes got granted, because if he was never the wishing stone, no one's wishes would have gone granted then yeah, I kind of expected the world to go back to normal in time. But it was just like the apocalypse had happened and they were all just there. Instead of like, boom, suddenly everything's okay again because if he'd never wished that, none of that should have happened. I don't know. Some of that stuff is a little weird.
0: Yeah. And yeah, and and to go back to like no one dying and stuff and in terms of how the the villains end, it was, there was one thing that like kind of stuck out to me in this movie a bit, which was like, all men are simply awful. And it was a very strong... Apart Ex- from Steve Trevor, Ex- apart from Steve Trevor, and it's 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 shown in that I don't you know Gal Gadot is getting hit on at this party. As I said to you, as I said to you guys in the cinema, I, why is she being rude to all these very nice men? And as I mentioned also earlier. <laughs> that was clear that was a joke by the way Uh, and it was um yeah all these men are awful there's like a drunk guy harassing Kristen Wiig on her walk home from work there's all these like horrible men in this movie and like you say you've got Steve Trevor but I think where I was like I'm okay with this was when the when the key villain uh Maxwell Lord the guy that you hate for the most movie you he somewhat redeems himself and he's somewhat a good guy he's not a good guy at the end but like just that speech to his kid at the end you're like oh my god there's some humanity in there and even for him to be like it's not said that he's changed and he's good now but what he said like the stuff where he said to his kid where he's like I'm not I'm not going to tell you I'm the best person ever but I'm just going to try to be the best or it was something along those lines where I was like ah okay like this where I was like okay they're doing they're doing like not all men are the worst people ever and I, and I appreciated that as a man
1: they they can be redeemed they
2: They needed something for the men in this movie well I mean it was the 80s like it was the 80s she's a very Uh, like yeah in the you know in general Wonder Woman always represents a very strong independent female character Wonder Woman in the 80s is a must be is like a I'm trying to think of the right word for it but like an anomaly in how sort of strong and how much she can stand up for herself and how many Mm. I mean we read about it now in the news every day how what many terrible things happen to women all the time the stats in 2020 for terrible things happening to women are pretty high I'd say in the 80s it was even worse so like it's probably a semi-accurate depiction because she's just this and that's the point of being an Amazonian as well she's like meant to be more beautiful more everything than everyone in the room so all the men are drawn to her and she's just like don't give a shit and I liked that as much as it might have pissed off all the men I enjoyed it
0: didn't piss me out I just I just really just wanted to a- rile people up okay so let's talk about wonder woman herself and i i guess we'll we'll start with lily Don. lily what are your thoughts on first name wonder
2: first name wonder second name woman those costumes like oh my god i know i talked about it from the start but the 80s style it was so good um she looked unbelievable in all of them the wonder woman costume was great the gold costume also great i really like that and the like like you said how they used it in the model and then she shrugged it off it was really cool um, yeah, it's nice to see a more, she's definitely more comfortable in herself in this role, Wonder Woman. The the character, like, she's very competent, comfortable in her powers and her abilities, much stronger. She's not like, in the first movie, if the listeners remember, she's very much like, why are people like this? She's got a really good understanding of humanity in this, and she's got so much faith in it. And that kind of is what the whole movie lives and dies on, is her faith in humanity. Um, so it was good. It was nice seeing her really come into her own wonder woman come into her own as a person and kind of move forward a little bit it's clear they make it very clear at the start that she's very much stuck in like her friends from the past and her life in the past and not really moving forward in that way and this is like a good um I guess it's a good bridge because you know while you don't have to have seen justice league if you have if you've seen or batman versus superman in those movies like one wonder woman's diana prince ego is very confident very calm and breezes into things and you kind of see her bridge the gap a little bit more in this movie um, as Diana Prince as opposed to like she's firmly established as being confident at Wonder Woman at the start of this movie and then you see her kind of develop as Diana Prince into how she's going to actually live in this world long term but oh my god some of the like the powers were just like too much the invisible plane magic we need to talk about it we need to talk about it
0: yeah I loved how much this movie uh, sort of doubled down on this is a wonder woman movie and kind of added to her skill set and you know really showed off the things like the lasso and and the, and the tiara thing like I, I enjoyed all that one power in particular i want to talk at length about but i'll save it but yeah we'll talk about the invisible plane that was absolute bullshit and i hate it
2: yeah didn't like it you got up out of your seat did you get up out of your seat at that point no that
0: was when chris pine came on screen <laughs>
2: <laughs> It couldn't it was too as you said it's it's very cartoonish i mean I, in the moment, I was like, "Absolutely not!" And I've left it and kind of just let it be an enjoyable part of the movie because it's it's very much in the like comic canon that she has this invisible plane and they have to set it up somehow. I'll give it to them, but I was just like, "Why have the magic orbs in her hands?" Just no, no.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it was fine. Uh, I had to be had to be done somehow. They're going to throw it in some at some point. I think this is probably the time to do it. Like you're not going to do it in a Justice League movie or anything like that. Um, I suppose the scene with the fireworks was pretty cool visually. I suppose it was a nice thing to do. But uh, yeah, kind of token gesture towards the comics. But yeah, no, like, I, it was fine for me. Like I think it, it would be weird if it popped up in a Justice League movie now and, and stuff like that. So I think this is the time to do it in our own kind of movie. Yeah,
0: like, no, I think, yeah, I think um, it just, yeah, it's cartoony. I didn't like it. But I think, and just to speak briefly, like where I thought this movie was very cartoony was things like the invisible plane, things like the very quick costume change where she's in her archaeology kind of outfit for Egypt. And then all of a sudden the camera cuts away and goes back and she's wearing like the metal bust. And I'm like, were you in that the whole time? <laughs> that, you would have had to been in that when you went to the Smithsonian with Steve. Then you were on the plane, unless you stopped off somewhere, I picked it up put it on like there's just some things like that where it kind of took me out of the movie to have to try and logic it to myself to, like I was, I was fine with it I was like okay cool I don't care it speeds it up I don't want to have to see her you know change in the back like for her to be like let me get changed in the like in the like in the back seat or something like that I just much rather the like, the action just starts straight away so I enjoyed that there was actually a scene where you know where she's like defeated in the White House and she's kind of slumped up against the wall and I could just see the metal buzz digging into Gal Gadot. it just looks like a painful thing to have to wear I can't like ow so like the the gold suit looked Like, looked fantastic, it also like, probably was way more comfortable to wear on set, even though those wings were CGI as fuck, and I don't really understand how they work, does she control them with her mind, it doesn't make sense in my opinion but that's fine. Also, her makeup is in perfect condition at the end, when she's talking to, uh Maxwell Lord while he's in the middle of the blue thing and I can see like I don't know clearly you can have what's the thing where that line goes all the way across your eye like what's that
2: her yeah her like winged eyeliner that she had on her like yeah how'd you
0: get it because like the gold suit but um it was like it was like flawless and it was Oh, only because it took me out because like you were underwater I said they were like something hey happened.
2: listen waterproof makeup that's not moving
0: and then even things like the lasso I like that that was it there's kind of always two depictions of Wonder Woman in the comics there's sword and shield and then it's kind of like the you know um sort of violence is the last resort and I felt like Wonder Woman 1 was very much uh sword and shield and this was very much like you know don't uh, violence is the last resort kind of thing like that and I felt the lasso was great although it was very much like you know when you kind of Using measuring tape and it goes all the way out and it just back in. I feel like that was her lasso. It always just seemed to be perfectly like you know it was like and that was one of the things where I was like like the quick costume change. I was like I'm okay with this. It's fine. But okay, the power I loved and I think was one of the the moments in the movie where I it was probably my was when she learns to fly and I don't know if that people are upset with that scene. I just loved it. I think it's better than any training montage scene in man of steel when he learns to fly i just i was i and i'm so on board with her flying i just it makes it makes everything so much easier um but i just thought it was such a it's like the best one of the best moments i think in a superhero movie for like a character becoming like the comic book version um and i really and the music the score was great Last thing I'll mention, which is that uh, the score was fantastic. Other than it missed out on the electric guitar that was in Batman and Superman, and it kind of hurt me deeply. David, thoughts?
1: uh I'd like to just clarify: she she can't fly; she can only fall with style. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was, yeah, okay, but still, fly, it was. she well, put the two arms in front of her. I'll
0: call that flying.
1: Yeah. Look. Okay. So um, with Wonder Woman, I have a few things. Okay. So the, at the start in, in themiscira those uh, women that she's competing against are getting absolutely laughed at. <laughs> They're getting beaten by a child so yeah they're, they're the whole i suppose that kind of sets out the whole moral of the story uh, which is good but those women jesus getting absolutely laughed at um, <laughs> she's um, a dead god like yeah I, I suppose, yeah I suppose um the mall scene i really like the mall scene again it kind of shows her day-to-day stuff like she's saving people and she's you know you know fighting crime on a day-to-day basis the interactions with her and the kids she seems to have this thing with kids that she gets along with kids quite well and same thing in Egypt. She saved the kids and, and saves a couple of kids in the mall and stuff. Um, Some of the most ridiculous uh, robbers in that mall scene as well. Just funny kind of. But well,
2: that was uh, one of the scenes
0: with the weird CGI where it was yeah. just like all the cameras were zoomed shots and it was. Yeah. Yeah. But
2: one of the things about the mall scene is that it sets up how this movie is going to go. It's like it's giving you that kind of we were moving on from this in the trenches of the war Diana as a or Wonder Woman as a superhero, she's strong, she's confident, she's kicking ass, and it and she's having fun while doing it, and it sets up then that tone in the movie where it's got to be like fun, colorful, loud, and like um, a little bit cartoony.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, sorry. She makes the wish, and then I think at that point she actually knows like she's losing her powers and stuff, but it is good to see that she's still willing to put herself kind of on the line and and sacrifice herself um you know to save people or to you know obviously fight towards trying to to get the um the stone back and stuff and like you can see especially in that kind of egypt scene like she gets hit a couple of times there's blood kind of pouring out of her and stuff and um you know she's taking big hits and stuff and she's still kind of well able to you know hold her own and stuff but i suppose the one thing i want to say is steve trevor has now rejected her in two movies Please, woman, take a hint, okay? <laughs> this guy doesn't want to be with you, okay? I know I know he's I know he's Chris Pine and all. He he looks alright, but there's plenty of other fish in the sea, like
0: Chris Pine, morally bankrupt. You, <laughs> me.
1: you you've given her up twice now. You you've decided to get blown up in a plane and then go back to to be dead in whatever world you were in or whatever <laughs> you, you you're exactly right guy you can I can see exactly where you're coming from with this Thank place with <laughs> on board with the Chris Pine train I love it um no I just sorry I just thought that was a funny thing it's it that he he gives her up twice and again it is it is quite nice the way he does give her up like it's for the greater good and all but um and then the the other thing was you know in the White House she's getting beaten to shit by uh, cheetah and you can see like the, the energy drain from her. She doesn't have that much makeup on her and she kind of very pale. But then when she renounces her wish, it's almost like the color comes back to her and she she looks a lot, I'm not going to say healthier, but like she looks a lot more powerful and stuff. Uh, I thought that was a, a nice kind of um, bit of, you know, transition, a good way to transition. Uh, like I said, Gary, the, the, the flying was a bit strange. That lasso can do a lot... <laughs> But um no, overall again I just as a main character I think we're in the new age of superhero movies like we've gone through the whole Avengers um you know with Robert Downey Jr and Chris Chris Evans I was going to say Chris point Chris Evans like they seem to have moved off um and I think uh, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman now is almost like their staple in D- DC like yeah the the one they can really, really hang their hat on I think um, Jason Moe with Aquaman and, um, please remind me who plays Shazam, Zach. Zachary Levi. Zachary Levi. They're kind of the three guy, three people that they can kind of hang their hats on. But I think Gal Gadot really stands out as the main one. Like they can really just, no matter what, she's going to do a good job, both acting wise, uh, stunt wise, everything like that. But like, as I said at the start of this, she, she plays the role, you know, beautifully throughout this movie, you know, as, as Diana Prince in everyday kind of stuff, you can see her; she's kind of somber, you know, reminded of the past continually. And um, but then as Wonder Woman, you know, she plays that kind of hero that's, you know, fighting while weak. But also, you know, when she gets all her powers back, she's well able to hold her own stuff. So overall, crack and roll, cracking uh, movie. Glide with how she. Had it.
2: We can't talk about the comparison between DC and Marvel without comparing how Scarlett Johansson loves to take a role she shouldn't, uh, a culturally insensitive role, and what have Patty Tenkins and Gal Gadot signed up to now do? Cleopatra, a movie they should not have signed up to do. <laughs> can't let the podcast pass by and let the listeners think that, I don't know about you guys, that I am okay with that. <laughs> it just really shows how she's trying to really like take that, what Mar- that Marvel mantle on in every aspect.
0: Okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to end this with two questions. For both of you, and I just want to know. I'll start with David. David, is it better than the first one?
1: Sure, question. Yes, but I think with the first one, I found that the, the the first third of the movie is good, second third of it is great, and the last third really ruined it for me. I think you know, as you always like to say, end on a good note. I feel that's where the the first movie kind of dropped. I feel like this one, start of it good middle great and i think it's the same story kind of ends on a low note but i feel like the bit with with pedro pascal's character maxwell lord kind of elevates it again Um. so yeah i'd probably i'd probably again it's hard to say because this we've only just seen it but i'd probably say this is better than the first one and lily
2: um i don't know i think What this one lacks compared to the first one is, you know, that scene in the first one, she gets up over the trenches. We don't have a stunning standout set piece like that in this one. Yeah. And the music plays and she gets up and it's just like that in the first one is just so brilliant. There's not a part in this where I'm like, oh, it's, it's so brilliant. And where the last one ended too high energy, this ends a little bit too low energy, I think. So there's like different criticism about both of them. And they on purpose are very different movies. So I don't know if I would say one oh, is better just, than the other. They're all I did was different.
0: ask both of you a yes or no question, and I got, <laughs> oh my god, uh,
1: I you gonna... deserve discussion, Gary. <laughs> ah. yeah,
0: that is fair. That is fair. And then, okay, and then finally, what is your favorite moment of the movie? And we'll start with Lily again.
2: Um, my a lot of my my favorite bit is going to be a lot of the Steve Trevor stuff and Diana the intro for them although she does abandon her entire plan to save anyone and goes and um just hangs out with Steve for a little bit but I think that was good and I think also the I really like the end credit scene I think it's just a lovely nod back to the comics where the original Wonder Woman gets to be in it.
1: Sure, I'll probably say the first scene in Themyscira um what I've noticed is that in, in the, the first few movies in DCU, whenever we went to Themyscira, it always seemed like just a beach. And then there was kind of just another bit. It didn't seem like there was too much depth to the island. Whereas this kind of felt like there was a lot more people there. There was a lot more, you know, uh, of a population, a lot more of density to the island, which I thought was cool. Um, I probably would like to see more stuff there. TV No stuff cool. with the gods. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, so I really like that. It's not my favourite, but it's just something that stood out to me. Look, throughout, it's 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 solid. I'm not going to point out one scene in particular, but it's it's just solid throughout. Again, like I, lo- I love, like you said, Lily, the, the interaction between the two main characters, Steve and, and uh, Diana, is really, really nice. Like the bit where they're they're chaining clothes and stuff, that's pretty cool. And then obviously when she's showing them around, that's just, it's kind of, it's fun. It's not necessarily funny, it's just fun. Kind of seeing them. I changed
2: my mind. I changed my mind entirely. My favorite scene is when that man is confused about why, where, what to do with his cow.
0: <laughs> right. I'm going to leave it there. David and Lily, thank you so much for coming on. Any, any final words to our listeners?
2: Happy Christmas.
1: People go out to the cinema if you can over Christmas. They need your support. Um, if there's something that you think you, you, you might like, go out and see it. You've had enough of Netflix or Amazon Prime or all those streaming services that we're not sponsored by. Uh, go out to your local cinema Get out and get some popcorn, get some sweets, go out with your friends if you can. Meet up over Christmas, enjoy a film. Um, they need your support. Uh, that's all I'll say. There's an yeah. immense lockdown, David.
2: Following all COVID guidelines. Yes,
1: exactly. Stay safe.
0: <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much, guys. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, if you have or haven't seen the movie, thank you for listening. I want to say, if you want to know when more podcasts are coming out, you can follow us at The reelinginthepeers on Instagram. If you have any hate mail or letters of affection, you can always send them to reelinginthepeers at gmail.com. And if you have a friend that you think may like the podcast, if you have a friend that's like, hey, I also have negative feelings towards Chris Pine, give them the podcast to listen to and let them know that we exist. Again, thank you very much for listening. We hope you enjoyed. Goodbye.